I'm Shark Child, and this is the Dark Verse. A collection of my strange works with the sole purpose of sharing with you a unique world of horror and fantasy that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. So, normally I put this request out at the end of my episodes, but I'm going to put it forth right now. Uh, please give... The Dark Verse, a review on iTunes. That's what the request is. It's pretty easy now. You can either just do the five, four, three, however many star thing you want without writing a little review, or you can add a little review. All right, thanks. As far as the book goes, they finally fixed the cover, so uh, the real deal is going to be printing here and being shipped. And I think the June 16th release date will work out. If you haven't already, go to Amazon.com and search for The Dark Verse. You'll see my book. It's pretty cool. Check out some, uh, some of the artwork and you can look inside and see parts of the first story and the first image uh, that goes along with that first story that John Stifter created. It's pretty cool. Um, for this story that I wrote, I have Roman numerals in it, but... Instead of saying the Roman numerals as a number, I actually read off the letters. For example, for 10, I would say X. And uh, this is just for the purposes of understanding the story better. So, I just wanted to pass that on to you. This is episode 42 of The Dark Verse. And it is entitled 13 Door Roulette. The Fountain Head I was handed a small, round cage. I curled two of my fingers around the S-hook fastened to its apex. The cage had a minute door fixed with a comparably insignificant latch. It did not, by sound and feel, seem to have anything within its grasp, although nothing could be seen within the tightly placed metal panels that formed the entrapment. These surfaces caught and reflected the inconsistent light of the corridor I stood in, which consisted of flickering bulbs overhead, pleading idly for the repair of the troubled circuits supplying them. At the end of the corridor before me, a mirror stood as the wall, reflecting back the entirety of the scene. A woman stood behind me, her hair was auburn and her skin was upon an age of older days. A strong musk emanated from her presence, encapsulating all of my senses. Even my eyes teared as the scent entered my nostrils. A green shawl draped across her shoulders over a pale blue dress. In front of me stood a middle-aged man in tight jeans and a leather jacket. His nerves had the better of him. He twitched his arms and legs in anticipatory dread while his head swung from left to right, the long black hair on his head 
following in delayed pursuit. Slight mumblings left his lips periodically, whether prayers or words brought about by an encroaching insanity, there was no distinguishing. Both the woman, the elder, and the man, the manic, had also been given cages identical to my own. At our sides, the cages were motionless, but in our reflections, the cages jolted back and forth. Along the sides of our triptych ensemble, ten doors pressed. Each door was labeled with a Roman numeral. The first was given an I, and the last an X. These labels were coated in thick, greasy oil. Their slick surfaces were magnets for the light, and so were illumined vividly for all to see. This corridor of doors was called Exabria's Asylum, and the three of us, who stood waiting to begin a ritual of uncanny elements, were called the Partitioners. Behind each door was a captive, either tricked or bested by the unimaginable allure of the witch Exabria, and we, the Partitioners, were given the opportunity to extinguish the sentences upon our criminal souls in exchange for a choice. The choice of an encounter with a piece of Xavier's collection. Walk through a door, walk out, and live. The cages we held were locks, locks that bound the vintages of evils behind the doors within their rooms upon the entrance and peril of the partitioner, which was, as history provides, the majority of the outcomes. It will now begin. The three of us were told by a man in a mask of heavy, black mesh. He stood amongst us. It was this man who held a long sword, keeping us from rash rebellion. Another man, also wearing a mesh mask, was with him. A slight limp in his step was his signature. He had handed out the cages. After the man with the sword spoke his words, the two of them tread off together into the unseen darkness behind the corridor's faltering light. After their departure, a wall slid across the path of the corridor, imprisoning us in the chamber of doors. The ritual was due to unfold. A purple flash began to coat the corridor. It arrived every five seconds and could only be seen within the mirror. We all stood still for a few moments, knowing what the beacon meant. The manic then began to wander to and fro within the corridor, pondering about the many doors lining either side of the walls. He was first. He had to choose one. Behind door I-I-V the Acclimator. Inside the darkness, something lurked. It was so fast it could not be seen. Betwixt its movements a sea of forlornness, hollow and cold, flushed across worlds as a pendulum of unending, perpetual desire. Interaction was what it wanted, of any kind, of any existence. It had already consumed the things it knew. It wanted more. 
and its arrangement with Xavier gave it opportunity. The room, the door, the simplicity, captivity for meaning. Open the door, the ageless entity thought. Someone, open the door. The Fountainhead The Manic chose door V-I-I. After several laps between door I and the mirrored end of the corridor, he spouted his answer like a mad scientist struck by the lightning of realization. As he walked towards his door, he spoke to himself of his decision, trying to push away the mountains of doubt piled upon his heart. I knew I was supposed to pick that one, he said. I knew it. If not for knowing what he was a part of at this time, it would have seemed like his decision was one of the greatest accomplishments of his life. He placed his cage upon a hook adjacent to the door, placed a hand on the door's handle, turned it, pushed inward, and then vanished within the complete darkness there contained. A tidal wave of invisible, almost tangible emotions spread out across the corridor from the open door. I felt them, and the elder, who still stood behind me, felt them too. They prickled the skin with cosmic premonitions, entertaining the mind with thoughts and visions of supernatural life. As I felt these things and stared at myself in the mirror before me, I realized it was my reflection that attained such reception. The hair upon the arms on my sides was flat, but the hair upon the arms of my reflection was upright and stiff, just like the differentiation between the cages. I knew then, immediately, that door V-I-I -I needed to be closed. The woman behind had the same inclination. We both bounded for the door to close it, with or without the man who had entered. I arrived at the door first and reached inside the room to grasp the handle. My arm burned with indescribable animation. Something clung to it and pulled, but I could see nothing. I quickly began to tug the door closed, but just before it blocked out the darkness that lay inside, the manic jammed his arm through the crack and extended again an opening to squeeze through. A second after he exited, I slammed the door shut. The manic, blood covering his face and chest, gawked with uncontrollable panic that quickly turned into pleasure. He began to laugh. He began to relish in the moment of his supposed salvation. Look, the elder said, pointing to our reflections, ending the manic's victory through the edge in her voice. All three of us gazed into the mirror. Only four eyes gazed back. The manic was not in the reflection. I'm still inside, the man yelled. I'm still inside. I'm still inside. He ran to the mirror and pounded against it with his fists. But there was nothing he could do. There was no way for him to retrieve anything from a place he no longer inhabited. He was part alive and part dead, 
and that dead part began to weigh on the living part he had left. There was something in the room in the mirror that was different than what lay in the tangible room. The manic had faced two foes, and lost. Then I saw my arm, or lack thereof. The arm I used to close door V-I-I. The arm I used to reach into the darkness was gone in my reflection, ripped away from my body. Bone and tissue showed repugnantly, but there was no pain. It has taken a part of me as well, I told the elder. Look at my reflection. It's my turn to pick, she said, responding as if not hearing what I told her or seeing what I saw. Behind door, I, I, I. The caustic. It covered the floors, it covered the ceiling, it burned, it melted, it reeked. Extracted from unbearable lands, a living fluid found homage under the promises of Xabria. She promised souls, she promised contentedness. The room is yours, she said. All you must do is wait. The Fountainhead The elder chose door I, I, I. She approached the door cautiously, deep in solemnness and silent contemplation. She was in no rush, yet her choice had been definitive, maybe even destined. She placed her cage, then the door opened with a slight creak. Then she entered. Then she screamed. I saw her hands flail momentarily beyond the boundaries of the door frame before falling harshly upon the ground and vanishing, from my perspective, beneath the floor as if she had fallen through its hold. Smoke in an awful stench replaced her presence. This time there was no differentiation between what occurred beside me and what occurred within the reflection of the mirror. The visions were identical. The elder was very so dead in both worlds. Behind door I, X, the stick. His brittle hands were untied. A door closed. The thin, hungered man hurriedly removed the bag from over his head and looked upon the new setting. A light bulb hung from the center of a small room. Every wall, ceiling, and surface was black. Everything had been completely soundproofed and neatly covered. There was obviously no point in screaming for help. Even the cracks in the door had been rigged perfectly to create an airtight seal. Nonetheless, without any apparent openings, there was a slight wisp of cool air that brushed against the back of his neck. His second observation was that he was alone. His third observation was that he was naked. Time crawled by. It squirmed and screamed, but never significantly moved. Then the light bulb went out and darkness joined his solitude. The Fountainhead The manic leaned against the mirror with his face. 
Blood and saliva mixed and slid down the reflective surface like juice from a battered fruit. His chest heaved in breath, but he moved no longer. This picture was a twisted apparition, a one-sided pyramid built on hallucinatory dreams. The flashes of purple light continued to press against the boundaries inside the mirror, traveling no further. I chose door I-X. I chose it not for any reason of superstition or complex design. I chose it because it was the closest door to the manic, who stood as an unbalanced pillar waiting to be toppled and used for my benefit. Instead of using my own cage for the lock, I retrieved the manix and hung it by the door. Then I opened it got behind the departed man, and heaved his frail body into the room in darkness beyond with my foot. He thudded against the ground like a lifeless heap. For a moment there was silence, and then there was some scuttling, but I could not see anything. The next thing I knew, the manic was climbing to his feet. He faced me just on the other side of the door frame calmer than I had ever seen him before, and spoke. I guess there's nothing in the room. I would be dead by now, no thanks to you, had there been something. You mind getting my cage down? I still have to go inside, I said. This door was my choice. All I have to do is go in, come out, and I'm a free man. I started walking towards the manic and the door frame. The manic screamed. Not a masculine howl, but a shrieking, cracking wail, and then darted into the darkness. Why'd you do that? I asked into the black. There was no reply. Come on, get out of there. Still nothing. If I go in there and come out and you're still hiding, I'm just going to close that door on you, so you better come out. I was a bit uneasy. Going inside that room with the unpredictable maniac man was next to the last thing I wanted to do. But knowing there was nothing inside that would tear me to shreds made the decision a little easier. I started to walk again. Then I noticed that as I got closer to the room, the reflection of the cage in my hand shook harder. Is this what he's afraid of? I thought to myself. I stopped. I opened the latch of the cage and looked inside. There was nothing. It was empty, but I saw that its reflection still jerked. I angled the opening of the cage towards the mirror. Instantly, I dropped the cage. Inside was a menacing creature. Its eyes were pressed against the opening of the cage. They were open wide, and the eyelids were lined with teeth. The eyes popped back into the head, and the eyelids and teeth snapped shut. That was all I saw. When the cage hit the ground, I watched in the mirror as the creature, a mixture of apparitional and physical attributes, bolted from its prison and dashed into the open room. Once again, I heard the manic scream, but this time it did not stop, not for a long time. And when the scream did stop, suddenly, it never came again. I still needed to enter the room. So I built up my guts and went for it in a sprint. In and out, that was all I had to do. Go in fast and get out faster. 
My feet hit the darkness. Once, twice, I was already as far in as I needed to be. There was a flicker of light. A light bulb hanging in the room turned on for a fraction of a second. I went to turn around, but my eyes saw what there was to see. A naked man lay crumpled on the ground. The manic was spread in pieces across the ground, but there was no blood. Just tiny, clean-shaven pieces. A breeze brushed against my flesh. I continued my retreat back to the corridor. Something tremendous grabbed me around the waist and squished. It felt like a giant hand. I flew through the doorframe and into the inconsistent light of the corridor. I looked into the mirror. I saw nothing. Exabria. The mirror at the corridor's end melted and pooled at the base of the wall. In liquid form, it rose from the floor and formed a woman. Her features were dazzling, and her body was perfectly sculpted. She walked up to the open door and stood in front of it. She held out her hand. The creature from the cage exited the room, leaping onto the woman's hand. It nestled against her reflective flesh. Then she closed the door. When shut, the greasy eye X on the door reflected off her liquid chest. It shone as X-I. Door 11. Her favorite was behind that door. That concludes episode 42 of The Dark Verse. Go to thedarkverse.com to download all of the past podcasted episodes, or you can get them on iTunes or at the Zune Marketplace. Go to myspace.com slash thedarkverse if you want to add it as a friend. If you would like to email me, you can do so by sending a message to sharkchild at thedarkverse.com. Have a great weekend. Yeah. All stories on the Dark Verse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without my written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love. Mm-hmm.